Welcome to the Bama Online Podcast. This one, Saturday night. That's right. This is what you do when you're 53 years old. You do podcasts on your Saturday nights. Saturday night, January the 15th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. And if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, we certainly hope you would consider doing so. It's simple, easy as a click or two. And you know what? If you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Got some things we're going to get into on the podcast this evening. Alabama men's basketball makes a trip over to Starkville to take on the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. That one results in Alabama's third straight conference loss. The Crimson Tide goes down 78-76. And so we'll go more in depth on that contest coming up later in the program. Been an especially newsy stretch here for Alabama football on the heels of the Crimson Tide's college football playoff national championship game loss to the Georgia Bulldogs from a roster perspective trying to get a better understanding of what this team will look like for the 2022 season some of that has cleared up here in the last four or five days still a few more situations to consider remember the NFL deadline for underclassmen to declare for April's draft is Monday January the 17th, so we're getting closer to that deadline. Uh, But we've got a shell, we got a pretty good shell here of uh, players that we know have made the decision to either move on, whether that's via the transfer portal, whether that's via the draft. Um, And then there's been some really good news here in the last couple of days in terms of Defensive players, especially, that are going to come back for another year with the Crimson Tide. So we'll run all of this down. And first and foremost, man, got to thank Charlie Potter. What a great job he has done for us at Bama Online in tracking this list of players leaving, returning. Uh, Charlie just uh, doing the Lord's work doing the Lord's work with this stuff. And so what we'll do is we'll start with the transfer portal, guys. Some of these we've hit on uh, in some recent pods. Uh, the Tuesday uh, after the the championship game was certainly newsy when you got word that guys like Paul Tyson and Drew Sanders and Tommy Brown and Jalil Billingsley, King Wakuda uh, had decided they were going to look to shop their talents elsewhere and – as Charlie has kept us updated, Kim Wakuta has landed at Arkansas State. Obviously, some familiarity there, you would think, with Butch Jones, the former Alabama support staffer, uh, now the head coach of the Red Wolves in Jonesboro, Arkansas, at Arkansas State. So, King has found his next stop. Uh, Paul Tyson, Drew Sanders, Tommy Brown, Jalil. Uh, reports that Jalil Billingsley visited Texas or was going to visit Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Drew Sanders has visited, reportedly, Arkansas and Oklahoma and perhaps was going to be at Texas this weekend as well. So Paul Tyson will wait and hear about Tommy Brown likewise. And then since we've last convened here on the podcast, Jalen Moody, the veteran inside linebacker for Alabama, Shane Lee, likewise a starter uh, as a true freshman for Alabama back in 2019 when injuries to Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, 
struck that core, and Shane Lee and Christian Harris were forced into starting duties uh, in 2019. Shane looking to move on as well. Javon Baker at the wide receiver position uh, is checking out other options. And so, you know, again, you saw Jalen Moody make that decision and Shane Lee make that decision at inside linebacker, and you thought, well, that might be a good thing where Henry Toa Toa is concerned because Henry, uh, in his first year at Alabama, led the Crimson Tide in tackles well over 100 stops for Henry Toa Toa. And, of course, Henry here in the last day or so has confirmed that he will be back for another year at Alabama. That was some solid news for the Crimson Tide and defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach Pete Golding. I think Jalen Moody's a power five starter. I think he can play on the ball. I think he can play Mike. Uh, really, either of those spots. I think Shane Lee is similar. I think Shane is more of a true Mike for someone. Both those guys, I'd be surprised if they don't uh, end up at a at a power five or a, a, an elite high-level group of five. Javon Baker uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, Javon, a talented guy, has size, can win balls in traffic, uh, not necessarily a, a 4-3 guy, uh, but we just never really got to see a lot of Javon Baker in his two seasons with the Crimson Tide, but no doubt a talent who can impact an offense positively somewhere else. I think for Javon Baker, kind of the issue for him at Alabama is that Alabama's got plenty of Javon Baker-like guys, and I think that was evident after spring practice last year when the decision was made to go after Jamison Williams, a wise one in retrospect, as we all know. Um, but Ja'Cory Brooks, Ajay Hall, uh, Treshawn Holden, uh, you know, guys like this, they're, uh, some of these guys have legit speed, but they're bigger receivers. Uh, and so Javon not able to really separate himself literally and figuratively uh, where his competition in the wide receiver room was concerned, and then also on the field sometimes and going against corners and the like at the SEC level. So we'll see how it plays out for a number of those guys. Now, guys that have declared for the NFL draft, Fedarian Mathis at the defensive line position, Evan Neal at offensive tackle, uh, no surprises there. Same for Jamison Williams, um, Christopher Allen, John Mechie, as noted by Charlie Potter there at BamaOnline.com, have signed with agents, uh, have signed with representation, which would lead you to believe that they are well on their way to the National Football League, and that would make sense. Uh, Fedarian's going to be uh, – he's going to be a guy to follow throughout the draft process because I think in some ways Fedarian's a tweener, um, but then you look at the production, especially from the last season or two, and it lines up with a legit starting defensive tackle in the National Football League. So Fedarian, I think, when you look at these these underclassmen types that have you know, made their declaration for the league, wide array in terms of where he could go. I think you'll see some mocks that might even have Fedarian as a first-round pick. You might see some that have Fedarian as a, a third mid-round type pick. I think it's going into the process. I think it's sort of that broad 
for Fedarian Mathis. And so his workouts and uh, senior bowl and things like that are going to be huge to his process. Evan Neal doesn't probably need to work out or you know do anything at this point. He's a top five pick. Um, he's a guy that may even be bandied about for the number one overall selection because the Jacksonville Jaguars, with that first pick, it's going to be tough to trade out of there this year without a legitimate top three to top five pick at quarterback. You're just not going to have as many teams with the new quarterback fever as you have in a lot of years. Even next year with Bryce Young, assuming he is able to go injury-free in 2022 and puts up similar numbers in a year's time to what he did in his first year as a starter at Alabama, there just isn't that guy to drive up the value. Obviously, even if there were, Jacksonville doesn't need a quarterback, but somebody would still want to come for that pick. I don't think that's the case right now. So it could be with Jacksonville not able to move it and having a real need at offensive tackle. And you can say, well, Cam Robinson and, you know, his contract status. But even on the other side with Jawan Taylor for the Jags, even if even if Cam Robinson came back and you had a double Bama tackle situation in Jacksonville, you need two tackles if, you know, potentially anyway. One due to a contract and one due to just ineffective play on the right side. So Evan Neal, a guy to watch even for that number one pick. Jamison Williams coming off the ACL or the knee injury. I know Adam Schefter has reported it as an ACL that will require surgery. You know, you hate to hear that anytime with any player, especially at this point uh, of the football calendar year when you're looking at making that jump uh, as a player. But I think Jamison's his biggest attributes are that top end speed and that acceleration. And, you know, he's not a short space type player, not that, you know, he can't do some things like that. But ultimately, his calling card is take the top off the defense speed. And typically, ACLs from that perspective, you know, aren't as problematic. If you're more of a, say, Jalen Waddle type, that's where I would have you know, more concerns for that injury for that kind of player. Uh, I don't think that's as much of an issue or concern perhaps for Jamison Williams still has a chance to be the first wide receiver off the board. A little bit of a surprise that Slade Bolden went ahead and made the decision as a redshirt junior to come out for the NFL draft. Uh, It kind of brings some young receivers even more so into the picture. We talk about guys, you know, that aren't – you know, similar in skill set and what they bring to the table. Well, JoJo Earl is one of those guys that you think about when you see Slade Bolden moving on. Uh, you think of Christian Leary, and then you think a couple of the guys in this 2022 recruiting class that you're about to bring to town. So that's what you would think there in terms of the slot with Slade Bolden going ahead and taking the jump. Jalen Armour Davis is interesting. Um, in that, you know, I, I think with he and Josh Job, I think there's similar type of corners uh, when you look ahead to the NFL. I think in defenses that employ boundary and field concepts, I'd probably like both those guys into the boundary more as corners at the next level, and they're going to need to prove versatile. I think these are both probably mid-round type guys. They've got the critical factors when you talk about size and you know some of those things. I'll be interested to see what um, 
you know, both these guys run. I think they'll run fine. Uh, but are they true, you know, every down corners in the National Football League? You know, that's where the, the question and the rub's going to come in, if they can play some inside. You know, I think both these guys, too, are even projectable, if not in the immediate future for at some point down the road uh, as safeties, perhaps even. Maybe make the switch at some point, kind of like Kareem Jackson did. Went into the league as a corner, ultimately made the switch to safety, and has played some at the star position, and has really extended his career by probably three or four years Uh, in the process we've talked about the outside linebacker situation in connection to drew sanders moving on and with christopher allen doing the same yeah i mean it's dallas turner next guy up as it's been or as it was through the 2021 uh, second half of the season and you you feel very good about what you saw from dallas turner with those eight and a half sacks and he's only going to improve as an all-around player he's going to be very much an every-down option. I know you've already got the every-down option in Will Anderson, but I think what you were going to see in 2021 had Christopher Allen not gotten hurt was a lot of those guys on the field together. And when Allen went out, that kind of changed. And I'm talking about even against 12 personnel, two tight end sets. They were just going to leave Allen out there with uh, Will Anderson. Well, I think you're going to see that next year. And then still having a guy like Chris Braswell, you would think, uh, that can supplement you there at the outside linebacker position. You continue to develop some other players uh, at the position. You continue to recruit at a very high level where the edge is concerned. So you know, the future is bright at outside linebacker for Alabama. Um, John Mechie. Signing with an agency, as Charlie noted for us there on the website at BOL, uh, about what you would expect. You know, I, you look at this class, this draft class of wide receivers, it's, it doesn't look like last year's. Um, you got a couple of guys from Ohio State. You got Jamison. Um, I see where, I guess, uh, George Pickens of Georgia's coming out. Um, you know, if you're Mechie, I, I don't know how much more you can put on tape. Uh, than he has the last couple of seasons. And he had nearly 1,000 yards uh, you know, in 2020. That gets overlooked because Devontae was just so ungodly productive. But, you know, Match was right around 1,000 yards. So he's essentially had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. And, you know, you're already dealing with one injury. And I think kind of the same for Christopher Allen, too. You know, you had an ACL early in your in your career at Alabama. Then you have a foot late. Kind of just, you know, time to go at that point from a health perspective. But as far as the good news, as far as guys who have publicly stated that they are returning, and again, we're still waiting on some announcements. You know, you almost wonder at this point if the edit person, these people that do these uh, these graphics, these edits, you know, for these commitments and I'm turning pro or I'm coming back, they got to have them on back order. You know, maybe that's what we're waiting on with some of these is that there's just so many damn edits, you know, they can't get them all produced. But in all seriousness, Henry Toa as we talked about earlier, coming back, you know, there's a definitely a sense of security there, knowing that that guy can get you lined up, can run the show from the middle linebacker position. And we'll see, maybe he stays on the ball. Maybe he moves off of it. You know, maybe they have a, 
a young linebacker or a new linebacker uh, that they're comfortable with in that spot. Maybe it's a Deontay Lawson who is developing nicely uh, there at the inside linebacker position, but uh, who knows? You know, we still hadn't heard from Christian Harris as of the recording of this, so I probably need to be careful about just going ahead and assuming that Christian is gone. But uh, boy, if you get both, if you were to get both those guys back, that I mean, it goes without saying because right up the middle of this defense, that's what struck me about these announcements for these guys coming back is Toa Toa right up the middle of the defense, DJ Dale right up the middle of the defense, Byron Young right up the middle of the defense, Jordan Battle right up the middle of the defense. So with both your starting safeties coming back in battle and DeMarco Helms and Dale at the nose tackle position and Toa Toa at the mic or the will, he can play either. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's great news for the Alabama defense. They were really good in those areas. Um, you know, especially later in the season, I think they have a chance to be great. I'm going to hold off though on the, uh, 2011 comparisons. I think we get a little ahead of ourselves sometimes. Maybe, maybe that's how it'll play out. And then you also hear from Emil Echior. Uh, at the guard position, that Emil will be back for another year. So the potential there for Emil to be a three-year starter at the guard position, you know, how's all that going to shake out too? You know, we talked about that in relation to the tackle positions. Um, you know, what happens now with J.C. Latham? We saw him at guard later in the season. We've seen young tackles play guard in the past before kicking out back out the tackle. Uh, I would say any of that is potentially in play because you're going to need two tackles. You know, based on the way you finish the season, maybe Damian George continues to develop and you're able to go with him as your right tackle. Uh, maybe it's J.C. Latham at one tackle. Maybe uh, Tommy Brockermeyer has a, a good offseason and positions himself uh, there at one of those tackle positions. Um, you know, a lot of things to consider primarily at the tackle spots because inside Seth McLaughlin made you feel good about what he could do if he was asked to step in there. Uh, but Darian Dahlcourt, you're going to get him healthy. So many starts at center in 2021. So he's definitely a part of that mix as well. Uh, and then some of the young interior players that we didn't really see as much of uh, this year that I think are going to have an opportunity, really the last couple of years that are going to have an opportunity to compete there on the interior, JV and Cohen, of course, uh, back at left guard, or you know maybe JV and Cohen's a guy that you take a look at at tackle because he has that in his background. So some moving pieces, but you know if you wanted to line it up guard to guard like you did in the college football playoff and against Georgia in the SEC championship game, you can do that right now with JV and Cohen, Seth McLaughlin and Emil Echior, guard to guard. And that's still with Darian Dahlcourt and all the starts he made at center there. So, obviously, it's tackle. It's tackle where you spend a lot of your focus. So, there you go. That's sort of a reset of the transfer portal, of the early uh, declarations, the underclassmen for the NFL draft, although I really don't have any idea what constitutes an underclassman anymore with – COVID and super seniors and everything else. Uh, and then the guys that we know of as of Saturday night 
that intend to return for another season at the University of Alabama. Going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some Alabama basketball talk. It is the Bama Online Podcast. We certainly appreciate you joining us here on the program. Back with more right after this. Hey, hey, hey. It's Home Field Apparel. Have you been yet? Have you been to homefieldapparel.com? Have you utilized that first-time purchase code of Bama247 at checkout? Yeah, you might be a little bit down in the dumps after the loss in Indy. And look, the basketball team, the men's basketball team, hasn't exactly gotten you out of the case of the Indianapolis Blues, I'm sure. But still... You know what treats a great case of the blues anyway? A tough case of the blues? Uh, Shopping, buying stuff, and you can do that right now at Homefield Apparel and homefieldapparel.com. So many great looks and so many great designs where the Alabama Crimson Tide is concerned. Really cool stuff. Don't go to homefieldapparel.com unless you want to look cool. That's what I'll tell you. Go to homefieldapparel.com, enter BAMA247 at checkout, and on that first purchase there at Homefield Apparel, you're going to get 15% off your entire order at Homefield Apparel. All right, so let's get into some hoops talk following the Alabama Crimson Tide's latest loss. It's third in a row in SEC play as the Crimson Tide goes down in Starkville on Saturday evening by a bucket, 78-76, State gets the job done. Alabama with some opportunities late, as we told you in three predictions for Alabama-Mississippi State. We thought at the final media timeout this would be a one-possession game. It was. Alabama, not enough. Interesting, some different things we saw in the game, though. We saw... The season debut of James Rojas at the forward position. I thought James gave this team some needed juice with six points, a couple of rebounds. He did have four fouls, including a big one with under one minute to go that put Mississippi State at the free throw line. One of those situations where you feel for James a little bit because whereas he has been practicing, obviously, to get back to this point, Game speed can be a different thing. Also, anticipation and just managing game situations like the final minute. Thought it said a lot that he was in the game coming off the injury at that point in the game. Uh, But a tough foul there. Tough foul there in the final minute. And then also, you didn't see Javon Quinterly down the stretch on the basketball. Instead, it was J.D. Davison, the true freshman. Quinterly struggles continued in Starkville. One of five shooting the basketball. Four turnovers, two assists, three fouls. So it wasn't a foul situation late. It was a case of a coach's decision as Nate Oates went with J.D. Davison and J.D. with 3.7 seconds left Alabama getting the ball on the other end of the floor down two, uh, able to get it into J.D. pretty clean look and with 3.7 and J.D.'s ability to go from end to end thought he might attack the rim in that spot instead he gave it up to Keon Ellis who had a very contested three and Keon nearly hit it by the way, nearly hit one down four there just a short time earlier where he got the three free throws after being fouled. You talk about some horrendous in-game decision-making. 
the foul committed by Mississippi State. They're up four on a three-pointer. So it wasn't exactly clinical basketball down the stretch by either team, but, you know, some of the things we anticipated going into the game, such as Iverson Molinar, the outstanding point guard for Mississippi State, thought he would certainly hit his scoring average a little above 17 points per game. Molinar did that. Nearly in the first half with 14 points, he finished with 24. Best player on the floor, I would say, Saturday evening was Iverson Molinar on the basketball. Jaden Shackelford with 17 points for Alabama, 6 of 16, shooting just 1 of 9 from 3. So when you add it up between Shackelford and Quinterly, uh, 1 for 11 in the game. J.D. Davison, better in the second half offensively. He took the donut in the first 20 minutes. He scores five points in the second half. Uh, hit a three there in the second half. Had three turnovers. few too many turnovers for Alabama in the game with 15. And then offensive glass in the second half was tilted more so towards Mississippi State in the, than in the first half. You worried about that going into the game because if Tulu Smith was going to come back from the injured list, which he did at six foot eleven, two hundred and forty pounds, to go along with Garrison Brooks and some of the other guys, uh, Javian Davis, the Alabama transfer, who saw his minutes, I think, suffer on Saturday night with Tulu Smith back. But uh, the offensive glass for Alabama in the first half, actually Alabama plus two on the offensive boards, but then for the game ends up minus five after the bullies sort of took over that department as well. Second chance points connected with that 21-16 to in favor of Mississippi State. Alabama's bench, though, plus 15 from the bench when you get Darius Miles going for 14 on 2 of 4 from 3 and 4 of 4 from the free throw line. A lot of free throws in this game. Called extremely tight, I thought, both ways. And as a result, Alabama goes 24 of 28 from the free throw line, while Mississippi State a whopping 38 attempts in the game. And points in the paint were going to be a big part of this as well. That's where Mississippi State wanted to win this game or thought it had to win this game in State plus six uh, with Molinar able to do his thing off the dribble. And then, again, with improved offensive rebounding and a few more turnovers for Alabama contributing to that as well. So Alabama drops to two and three in SEC play, three and five in their last eight games. This all sort of started back at Memphis in December. And then you had the performance in Birmingham against Davison. Thought you maybe had righted the ship a little bit when you opened SEC play with a come from behind win at home over Tennessee. Uh, Then you go on the road, get a win at Florida, and then you go to Missouri with a forgettable performance, give up 92 points to the worst offensive team in the SEC a week ago in Columbia. Uh, Follow that up with a close home loss to what might be the number one ranked team in the country this next week in the Auburn Tigers. We'll see as the time as we're recording this, Auburn was down at Ole Miss uh, at halftime. 44-38, the Rebels had the lead there at the Pavilion in Oxford. But you look at the SEC standings um, otherwise, and you've got Auburn right now, again, trailing by six, uh, 4-0. Texas A&M, what about Texas A&M at 4-0? Texas A&M did something on Saturday Alabama couldn't do a week ago. It took a big punch from Missouri 
in Columbia, but then came back and still got the job done on the road. Kentucky, with one of the better performances of the young SEC season on Saturday, in blowing out rival Tennessee 107-79. to So Mississippi State with the win over Alabama at 3-1, and one, one of uh, a couple of one-loss teams right now in the league. LSU upset at home by Arkansas on Saturday, drops to 3-2 and two in the league. Vanderbilt beats lowly Georgia to get to 500 in the league. Arkansas with that win at LSU, 2-3. and three. Tennessee, 2-3. and three. Alabama, 2-3. and three. So there you go. Florida finally got a conference win on Saturday at the other Columbia, South Carolina over the Gamecocks. So that's what the SEC looks like right now. And I know for some Alabama fans, they're already hitting the panic button as far as just even – perhaps making the NCAA tournament, I'm going to give you a a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and perhaps it won't be a freight train. But when you look at this upcoming stretch, it is encouraging, potentially at least. You got LSU coming to Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night. That's a 6 o'clock central tip-off on ESPN2, followed by a home game next Saturday with the Missouri Tigers, a return date with Mizzou at Coleman. Now that is a 5 central tip-off next Saturday at Coleman. That's an SEC network game. And then the next Tuesday, you go to Georgia. Clearly the worst team in the league right now, the Georgia Bulldogs. And so an opportunity between these upcoming home games with LSU and Missouri, the road game at Georgia, take care of business, get to 5-3. and three. And you're going to want to do that, by the way. Because late January, early February, that first week as you roll into the month of February, starting with the January 29th home game against the Baylor Bears, who have struggled here of late, uh, you get Baylor in Tuscaloosa on January 29th, the Saturday. Then Alabama goes to Auburn on February 1st, a Tuesday, and then gets Kentucky in Tuscaloosa the following Saturday, February the fifth. So important coming up in this next three game stretch. No matter how you do it, take care of business, rack up some conference wins, rack up some confidence. Maybe you get Rojas more involved. We'll see how this thing plays out on the ball with Quinterly and JD Davison. That's going to be fascinating to watch here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, but still some opportunities to get things straight as you head into late January and early February because again that's definitely going to need to be the case that's going to do it for the latest edition of the Bama online podcast thank you again for joining us here on the podcast and if you haven't already how about a subscription to the pod simple as a click or two and if you'd leave us a rating and a review we would greatly appreciate that as well until next time so long everybody okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 